There is no sin that he cannot lovingly cleanse and forgive if you will ask him. But God has the power to forgive your sins. And listen, he has the power to forget your sins. With your Bible open at Psalm 62, four Sundays ago we talked about our wonderful God, getting to know our wonderful God, and we learned three wonderful things about God. Number one, God is love. Number two, God is holy. Number three, God is a Savior. And these three things have incredible, maybe repercussion is not the right word, but effects in our lives good effects. Three Sundays ago, we talked about how God is a creator. Folks, we did not evolve. We didn't come from the big bang or the big clunk. We came from God. He's the creator. Two Sundays ago, we talked about how God is also an author. He wrote a book. Can you guess what book he wrote? The Bible, the Word of God, but it's not a dead book. He breathed into it life. That's why when people read the Bible, it feels good in their heart. That's why when people read the Bible, they can almost hear God talking to them. Sometimes they, ooh, they close the Bible, they don't like to be talked to. But it's a living book. God is an author. Then last Sunday, we saw that God is not only wise, but that God has all the wisdom there is to be had. And he's willing to share some of that with us. Hey, listen. If you've missed any of those messages, I just want to encourage you. I'm not trying to blow a horn or anything, but there's some really good content there. Some really excellent Bible content. And I want to encourage you, go on our website, gracebaptistchurch.ca, and go under media and look for recent sermons. And you can go back and re-watch the sermon. Uh, You can't watch the whole service, unfortunately, but you can watch the, the sermon part. And I think that'll be a big blessing to you. Well, today we're going to learn that God has all the power in the world. Any power that there is, God has ownership on it. And the amazing thing is that he's willing to share some of that power with us in our lives in order to help us. Now, when we talk about power, we're referring to the ability to get things done or to make things happen. That's what we mean when we talk about power. The ability to do things or to get things done. Now, as I sat writing this message, it occurred to me that there is more than one kind of power in the world. There's many different kinds of power. I'll name a few. Maybe you can think of a few more. But there's physical power. There's will power. There's animal power, such as horsepower. There's fire power, steam power, wind power, water power, mechanical power, electrical power. There's gunpowder power. That's a tongue twister. There's nuclear power. And I'm sure there's a few more that I've missed. But you get the idea. History, for example, with willpower, history records some amazing things that people have done through what appears to be sheer willpower. They've been able to, to do some amazing things, heroic events. But human willpower alone cannot always accomplish what only God can do. In fact, quite often, human willpower ends up powerless in order to see a happy conclusion to a a problem. And so, this is the, the time we must look to God to supply the necessary power that we need to overcome obstacles in life. That's what this message is all about. The power of God. And so, let's bow our heads and ask God to teach us today about His power, shall we? Our Father, we humble ourselves knowing that you're a great and wise and wonderful and powerful God. You're here with us. The Lord Jesus promised that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst. We thank you, Father, that you're here. We pray you'd speak with our hearts. We pray for all those that are watching online. It's possible that some folks may be watching this sermon days or weeks from now. And we pray for them too. Please encourage us in faith to believe and trust, to rely upon your power. Teach us, Father, how to to open the door and let some of your power into our lives. And we'll be careful to thank and praise you and give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, take a look at it once more with me, please, in Psalm 62 and verse number 11. And would you read it out loud right there where you're sitting? Read out verse number 11 with me. Here we go. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Now, quite literally, what this means is that God owns all power. There is no form of power that God does not own. Remember, please, one of the qualities of Almighty God is what the theologians call omnipotent. Only God is omnipotent. What is omnipotence? It means all power. It means He has all of the ability. He can do anything, anything, anything. Our God is amazing. No one possesses what God possesses. He's omnipotent. Now, it's some interesting to me, anyhow, that in Matthew 28, verse 18, after his resurrection, the Lord Jesus said to the disciples, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, remember, only Almighty God has all power. So this clearly means that Jesus Christ is Almighty God. But not only is Jesus Christ Almighty God, but he's also the gentle shepherd. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that Jesus is not a, a ruffian or a bully or, you know, someone with a chip on their shoulder? And you must know people like that. Can you imagine what life would be like if, if bullies and, and proud people with chip on their shoulder, if they were given all of a sudden all power for a day? Maybe there'd be no more earth. Who knows? I'm so glad that Almighty God is also the gentle shepherd. And He's also the Savior of our souls. Now I say that to remind you that Jesus Christ has an invested interest in us. We who are born again and saved, saved by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has an invested interest in you and in me. Now that gets really exciting because remember, He's all-powerful. He has all power. And because he has an invested interest in us, he shed his blood for us, he's more than willing as a gentle shepherd to help us with some of that power when we need it in order to overcome some of the problems of life. Now, once again, Jesus Christ has all power. And yet, down through earth's history, there have been so many people that have hated Jesus and wanted to destroy him. They don't love our Savior. In fact, it's the exact opposite and they would do anything in their power to be able to destroy Him. And so, the question we have for those who would destroy our Savior, the question we have, what are you going to use for power? You want to destroy Jesus? What are you going to, what are you going to use for power to destroy Him with? Are you going to destroy Him with demonic power? <laughs> That's not going to work because Jesus casts out demons all the time. There is no demonic power that can stand against him. Will you try and drown him with water? Will you use water power? Well, that won't work because Jesus walks on the water. In fact, the wind and the waves obey his every command. But what are you going to use for power if you're going to destroy Jesus? Will you use all the armies of the world to get together and destroy him? No, that won't work. Revelation chapter 19 tells us that Jesus will slay them with a sharp sword that proceeds out of his mouth. Perhaps you will try to crucify him with a cross. Think again. Jesus rose from the dead, a victorious conqueror over death. Folks, it is impossible to destroy Almighty God. There is no way that can happen, and Jesus is Almighty God. Now, with this in mind, I'd like to get into three areas where the power of God can come and help you and me. And that first area, listen, point number one, God has the power to heal any sickness. God has the power to heal any sickness. I'd like to invite you to turn to the New Testament book of Matthew chapter 4. 
Matthew chapter 4. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 994. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Ah, 23 and 24. Hey, let's try and read this together, shall we? Two verses, 23 and 24. Let's read together. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had palsy and he healed them. You see here, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, has the power to heal any sickness. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I think these days people are thinking more about their health and sickness, and disease, maybe more than any other time. I'm not sure. And don't quote me on that. But maybe it's because the news media, every day on the news, we're hearing more about COVID. Now we're hearing about monkeypox, showing us pictures of people's hands with these warts on them. And it gets kind of scary, you know. There's all manner of diseases floating around the world. I'm not sure about this. I'm no medical expert, but I think there's more diseases in the world today than there ever has been. Now, maybe some medical expert can give me some evidence to the contrary, but I think we live in a diseased world, it seems to me. And we come up with vaccines or with antidotes, and sometimes it works, and other times the disease develops an immunity to the antidote or mutates itself. You know, we went from COVID-19 to the, the next one there. I forget now what they're calling it. Uh, there's so many names, you know, you can't keep track of them all. Just one more sickness, one more notch in the, in the gun barrel, I suppose. But uh, I saw in the news this past week that in Ohio and Michigan, in the States, they're running scared because the grocery stores now are spreading the E. coli there's some tainted beef or something like that. And they're running scared because the grocery stores in Ohio and Michigan. E. coli disease. It seems to me that we worry more about our health these days than ever before. There are so many commercials and advertisements for things. And we spend billions, billions and billions of dollars every year on vitamins and health remedies and things that will help make us better and keep us healthy and alive. And I'm not saying that any of that is wrong. In fact, I might say the, the opposite, that it's a smart thing. It's wise to eat healthy. It's wise to, to get a good exercise. And it's, it's wise to get sufficient sleep. But, folks, ladies and gentlemen, let's be honest. Isn't it true we don't always eat healthy? I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand, but have you had some junk food lately? That's kind of part of our diet now these days, isn't it? They say a balanced diet is a Coca-Cola in one hand, right? And a McDonald's burger in the other or something like that. I mean, it's, it, junk food is just, you know, it's like breathing. It's, it's life these days. I kind of wonder, you know, if we're not killing ourselves somehow. But we don't get enough exercise either, do we? Many of us, we, um, we redefine the term couch potato. Or many of us, sit way, way, way too long in a chair in front of a computer, whether it be at home or at work, right? Or maybe we're watching TV, but the idea is we're not getting enough exercise, are we? Generally, we're not. And I suppose, to be honest, we don't get a proper night's sleep either. We're suffering there. You know, some of us get up two and three times in the night, right? So we feel weak. So what do we do? Coffee and donuts. <laughs> and, and folks, listen. We're not helping the cause when you come here at 10 o'clock for Sunday school and what's the first thing we offer you when you walk in the door is coffee and donut. 
So, you know, we're, we're not exactly helping the cause, but uh, oh, what a lovely way eh, to, uh, to, to go downhill. But my point is, you do enough of that. You do a little and it's no problem. But a little bit, moderation is fine. But you do an, enough of this over the years and what happens to our health when we don't eat it properly, we don't exercise properly and we don't sleep properly, it catches up, doesn't it? And after a period of time, our health suffers and we break down. Well, how'd that happen? Who's to blame there? Just being honest, just being honest. And if you allow me a little more honesty, how about the man who consumes plenty of alcohol and cigarettes and maybe takes cocaine and then one day his, his liver fails on him, conks out? Well, boy, how did that happen? It seems to me that if you were to throw an oily rag behind your furnace every day, that one day your house is going to burn down. It's only a thought, but chances are. There's the man, obviously, who works with toxic chemicals and then gets lung disease. Now, maybe his employer didn't provide enough personal protective equipment. That could be. But he's still got lung disease. And of course, then there's the man who loves to drive way over the speed limit and gets into a horrific accident and ends up losing an arm or losing both legs. And that is definitely a physical problem. Well, to be honest, sometimes we bring these things on ourselves. I've brought things on myself, to be honest. For the most part, I think generally we try to stay healthy, but ultimately, folks, listen to this, it's the power of God that grants good health. And we're talking the power of God today, and the power of God can heal any, any sickness whatsoever. But sometimes we need God's power. The good thing is that God is willing to share some of that power with us. I'm not saying that if you got into an accident and lost both legs, God's going to give you your legs back. I'm not going to say that. No. Somebody might, but I wouldn't. Because I don't think God would. But James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. That was given to a number of uh, churches in which people got sick. Just like today. So we're told to pray one for another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now I've had a bad back for over 34 years. And I got it because I kept lifting things the wrong way. You know, we're supposed to lift with our legs. Well, I didn't do that. I'd bend over and grab that big weight and stand right up. Terrible strain on the lower back. Well, when I was in my early 30s, I got a bad back. All of a sudden, she went bad on me. Well, I've lived with it all these years, but then listen to this. Twelve years ago, starting in about January, I forget what, it's about 12 years ago, my low back started to hurt really bad this time, like it's never hurt before. Sharp, sharp, intense pains. These pains would shoot down one leg one day, and then the next day, they'd shoot down the other leg. And the pains would cripple me really bad. I couldn't sleep through the night. I'd be waking up every hour or two hours, and I'd somehow try and get out of bed and, and try and walk out the pains, try and get some stretch going and walk the pains out. Often in the morning, I couldn't get out of bed right away. It would take me up to an hour to get out of bed. I'm kind of curled up there trying to get the pains out. When I did get out of bed, I had to use two canes to walk on. And that's how I would come to church, walking on two canes. Now, some of you here will remember this. You were there. But here's what I noticed. All the while, all through those months of suffering, God was blessing the church. I was getting crucified. But God was blessing his people. And the church was growing in numbers and joy and finances were up so we could support more missionaries and things. And I saw this. And so I decided before the Lord, if this is the cost in order for the church to prosper, I'd pay that cost. I'd gladly pay that cost. 
Listen, some of you parents, some of you may have a child who's not living properly for the Lord. If by going through a physical suffering, it brought your child back close to God, would you be willing to suffer physically for your child? That's how I felt about the church. I said, boy, I'd gladly suffer the rest of my life like this. You know, and two canes like that. If God would keep blessing the church. And God was blessing the church. Well, this was going great. Um, by the way, the Apostle Paul, you remember he wrote that he had physical pain. He went to God three times. And each time God's answer came back, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you remember that? Yes? Remember reading that? That's very, very true. Very true in our lives. And so I was seeing the blessings of God. But one day in the fall, the church stopped growing. It seemed like we hit a plateau. And so then I started wondering what the will of the Lord might be. And I went to prayer. What am I going to do? So I went to prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord laid on my heart a burden to ask the church people to pray for me. You see, I'm getting ahead of myself. I went to see my doctor. And my doctor said, oh, he said he sent me for x-rays. Then he sent me for MRIs. Then he sent me to a spinal surgeon. And the spinal surgeon did some tests on me and looked at the x-rays and MRIs and said to me, Pastor White, you have stenosis. I said, do I? What's stenosis? And he described it as a, uh, a death grip upon the, the nerves that run down the spinal column. And that's why some days the pains would shoot down one leg and some days the pain would shoot down the other. Stenosis is where the, um, the little donuts, this is me speaking now, not the, your doctor, but in between your vertebrae, you've got these little donut cushions, right? The uh, nerves all run up and down there. Well, the donuts get flattened, and as they do, that hole closes up. That's stenosis. And boy, if you ever get it, you'll know it. And so the spinal surgeon said to me, you need surgery. There's no other way to correct this. It'll just continue to get worse. So it's up to you. And this particular spinal surgeon was a genius. He's actually a brain surgeon. Listen to this. He's a guy that can take your brain apart with all of those little pieces and kind of put them back together. He's a brain surgeon. He's very good at it. I said, how did you get into this spinal stuff? He says, well, I, I tried it as a hobby and I found I was good at it. I said, oh, I guess that makes sense, I suppose. <laughs> I wonder what my car mechanic does on the side. But anyhow, surgery, huh, surgery. And I'd heard stories about back surgery. People that get it and spend the rest of their life in a wheelchair. I said, Lord, what do I do? So I went to prayer and God laid on my heart, get the church people praying. And so I said, okay, Lord. And so I shared that burden with the church people. And I said, I don't know what to do. Would you pray for me that God would give me wisdom so that I know if I should get surgery or not? What should I do? Would you pray for me? And everyone kind of nodded. Yeah, we'll pray for you, Pastor. Well, that was in, I don't know, late November. In early December, about two weeks later, one day it suddenly occurred to me, hey, where's my back pain? Now, I was still on two canes. Now, being a bit of a doubting Thomas, by the way, Pastor Silver, wherever you are, sorry I said that, he gave us a great sermon there the other week about Thomas being not a really a doubting Thomas. Anyhow, you got to watch it. It's a good sermon, good sermon. But here I was a bit of a doubter, and I thought, ah, it's just in my head, or it's just, it's just a, an off day. The pain will be back. But the pain didn't come back, day after day after day. So I got rid of one of the canes. I was on one cane. Still no pain. So I got rid of that cane. And it occurred to me, God healed my back. Hey, praise the Lord. Now, listen. Something interesting. The spinal surgeon, the brain, the brain doctor, he himself ended up having to have spinal surgery himself. But here I was his patient. And so I just found that humorous. But listen, there's a lot of power in the pew. When we get our hearts together for prayer, that's why we're told in James to pray one for another. 
You know, sometimes I think that our sicknesses go on way too long because we're too shy, we're too bashful, we're too ashamed, or we don't realize it, that there's power in the prayers of God's people. So, I still have back pain today. Even as I'm standing here, I can feel it. It's the same back pain that I picked up 34 years ago. So that I'll have for the rest of my life, probably. But the stenosis, I know God can heal. Just from the scriptures, but God healed me in answer to prayer. Now I still have the back pain. I have other discomforts too. I have arthritis. Boy, in this hand, it's hard for me to hold a pen. You know, it gets so bad some days. I have gout in one of my knees. I've got neuropathy in my feet. I can only walk short distances. I've got other things related to getting older. I have diabetes. Uh, I think I have diabetes because for 50 years I ate way too much sugar. So uh, just a word to the wise there. Cut back on the sugars. I know, easier said than done. I realize that. But listen, hey, we got to do something. But I'm doing what I can to take care of my aches and pains. I'm doing what I can to lessen the sufferings. But you know, I'm not worried about it. I am not. I'm honestly not worried about any of my sufferings because I know that His grace for me is sufficient. And I know one day He will heal me completely, even if that day is going to be in heaven. I know it's coming. And I also know that I don't suffer as bad as some other people have to suffer. Right? When you start looking around, you realize, ooh, I got off light. It could always be worse. Right? You heard about the man who complained that he had no shoes? Oh, he was upset about this, and he complained he had no shoes until he met the man that had no feet. That's my point. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying this. God makes no mistakes. So before you start praying for a healing, and God can heal, but before you start praying for a healing, you better be praying for wisdom first to find out if that's what God wants you to pray for, is for a healing. Because I'm telling you this, God may have allowed some physical suffering in your life in order to bring about an even bigger blessing for you down the road. And if you go praying for a healing, you're kind of short-circuiting what God really wants to do for you. Now, if you've ever read the book of Genesis, you know that Jacob went and wrestled with the angel all night, the angel of God, and then God reached out, touched him, and wounded him in the thigh so that he had a limp for the rest of his life. But you see, after that, God did that so that after that, God could bless him. Changed his name from Jacob, which means a heel grabber or cheater. Changed it to Israel, which means a prince with God or power with God. And God really blessed Jacob. So can you imagine this? After that all-night fight there with the angel of God, and, and there's his family looking at Jacob coming, limping, crawling back in the morning, you know, and he's got dirt on him, maybe some blood, his clothes are torn, he's limping. And his family looks at him and says, what happened to you? And Jacob says, I got blessed. How do you look upon your physical sufferings, huh? So before you go praying for a healing, God, heal me, heal me. Before you do that, you better be praying first for wisdom. And if God tells you to get a healing, then go for it. And get God's people praying for you too, because there's power in prayer. There really is. All right. God can cure miraculous cures of healing that cannot be explained by modern day medicine because he has the power to heal any sickness. All right, we have to move on to point two. God has the power to overcome any problem. Any problem whatsoever. And for this, I'd like to invite you back to the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah. So you're going to find that uh, after, to the right of Isaiah, you'll find Jeremiah chapter 32. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 823 in your Pew Bible. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32, please look at verse 26 and 27. 
And would you read them out loud with me, please? We'll read them together. Jeremiah 32, verses 26 and 27. Let's begin. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And obviously the answer is what? No, there's nothing too hard for God. God is amazing. He has all power. He's omnipotent. Folks, you know it and I know it. Problems are a part of life. You cannot live without experiencing some kind of problem. That's normal, normal, normal. Problems seem to stop the flow of blessings and good things in our lives. And I'm not referring to the uh, people who make evil plans and their plans, their evil plans getting stopped. I'm not talking about that. You know, when a killer is prevented from killing, to me, that's not a problem. That's a good thing. That's a blessing. But I'm talking about when good things get stopped. Productive things. Things that make life happy and healthy and peaceful. The loss of a job can be a devastating problem to have. Maybe it's happened to you. It's happened to me. In the news, Lisa Laflamme. She's a legendary news broadcaster. For the last 11 years, she held the top job as the news anchor for CTV National News. Well, on August 15th, you know this, you've heard it out of the blue, she was let go of her job. And this has not only devastated Lisa, but it's caused many people in that company to fear for their jobs. Now, it's in the news, it's on Facebook, they're doing a review. Maybe she'll get her job back. I don't know. Remember her in prayer though. But I do know this. When problems happen, good things get stopped. But that's when God wants to help. He does. It's nice to know He wants to help us with our problems. Where do life's problems come from in the first place? Well, sometimes the devil sets them up. All you've got to do is read the book of Job and you'll see how the devil set up some horrendous problems for Job. Sometimes evil men are behind these problems. For example, Goliath was an evil dude. And he caused big problems for the nation Israel. And then sometimes God himself will allow a problem in our lives in order to test our faith. Now Abraham and Sarah come to mind. They wanted children. Even one. One child. They wanted one child and they tried and they kept working at it and trying until they became senior citizens. Still no children, nothing. But their faith in God brought about God's power and that's the miracle of the baby Isaac. Isaac means what? Laughter. Hooray, rejoice, laughter. In a good, a good laugh. A good, a good sense. God is still the God of senior citizens. Amen to that. And maybe that's a, a good way of actually looking at our problems here is a way for God to do miracles. How about that? Instead of looking at your problem and saying, nah, why don't you look at your problem and say, oh boy, here's a chance for God to do a miracle. Boy, that would lighten our load, wouldn't it? That would encourage the day. We wouldn't maybe be so grumpy. Here's a chance for God to do a special blessing, show His power, do a miracle. Listen, I want to ask you a question. How many of you here today would like to see God do a miracle in their life? Raise your hand. Oh, that's three quarters of us anyhow, 75%. Well, then that means you need to have a problem. Isn't that true? If you just raised your hand, you want to see God do a miracle in your life? It means that you need to have a problem first. You need to have a, a situation like Abraham and, and Sarah or like Israel facing Goliath, right? Or like Job and all of the trials and misfortunes. You need a problem in order to see the power of God. That's how it works, folks. But don't be afraid of problems in life because I'm here to tell you there is no mountain so high that God is not higher still. Didn't you love those guys singing here, when they sang, God will take care of you. He will carry you through, right? That's what they sang. 
There's no valley so low that God is not still lower. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. There is no night so dark where His marvelous light is not able to shine. I have a song I want to sing. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. How many know that song? Raise your hand. Oh, that's as many people as raises their hand looking for a blessing. God is strong. He's so powerful. And it's so true. Old Testament Daniel faced a problem when he was cast into the den of lions. Isn't that the truth? Boy, there's a problem you and I haven't gone through yet, right? He went through it, but God answered his prayer and sent an angel who closed the mouths of the lions. And I didn't know this, but I've learned that when an animal's mouth is closed, that beastly nature calms right down. So God sent the angel, they closed the mouths of the lions, and those lions became putty tats. All purring around. That was all they could do left was purr, I suppose, and wag their tail maybe, but that would have put Daniel to sleep, I suppose, soothe him to sleep maybe. Daniel had three friends. What happened to them? They got cast into a fiery burning furnace, and God delivered them safe out of the flame, didn't he? In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar, the guy who threw him in there, when he saw that they were still alive and they came out, and there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. That king wrote an edict to all of his kingdom. And he, he said, no one is to speak anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, for there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. That's the king who said that. Let me ask you another question today. How many of you here have already experienced a, a problem, a bad problem maybe, and you wondered, maybe you were even afraid, but somehow you came through it and you found out you were just fine, or maybe you came through the problem and you ended up better than before you went through the problem. How many had that happen to them? Raise your hand. Well, there's a good number of hands too. Well, let me ask you then, why do we doubt? If God's done it for us before, why do we doubt He'll do it again? Many years ago, a lady in our church told us of a time when her daughter was driving to go someplace here in Surrey. And she waited at the light. The light was red and she's waiting there for it to turn green. The light turned green. She put her foot in the gas. <clears throat> Engine just died like that. What a lousy, miserable problem to have when you're going someplace and maybe in a bit of a hurry. Well, as she sat there for a second, you know, fidgeting, what's wrong? A car came screaming through the light. She had the right away. She had the green light. This car came through on the red light. And she suddenly realized if her car had gone forward, she would have been in a life-threatening situation, killed or on life support in the hospital. And she just sat there thanking the Lord for her problem. Have you ever thought that maybe sometimes God allows problems to save our lives? Not every problem is to be spit at. Back in 1976, I was in the process of changing jobs. And I was concerned about this new job I was going to because I was going to have to go the first two weeks without a paycheck. They paid every two weeks. And I was flat busted broke. I didn't know what I was going to do. And so that morning, I had two weeks. I think I, I had about, no, I think about another week left before I, I quit work and then went to the other job, about a week. And so I had a great time with the Lord in my devotions. I read the scriptures and I prayed and I sang. I felt so close to God. Time to go to work. So I got in my car and I'm driving to work and I'm thinking of the Lord. And I come up to an intersection. I got the green light. All of a sudden, this guy coming toward me wanted to make a left turn. He cut right in front of me, but he smashed right into my car. Wow. I stopped there and I'm dazed for a second. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. We both got out of our cars. We made some small comments. We had to call the, uh, the police. And so we waited. When the police came, 
We got in the policeman's car. Right away, this man accused me of smashing into him. And I was dumbfounded. And I'm just a young kid, really. And so I, I thought, that, that's, that's not true. That's not true, officer. And I tried to explain. And I'm wondering, why did God allow this to happen? As if I don't have enough problem. I'm going to have two weeks. I'm going to have to starve for something like a church mouse or something, you know. Why did this have to happen? Well, the case actually went to court. I was exonerated because the policeman who came noticed I had left a 50-foot trail of tire rubber where I had hit my brakes trying to avoid hitting him. And this guy said I smashed right into him. I got exonerated. But here's the big thing. My insurance company. They came to me and they looked at the car and they said, I'll tell you what, we'll give you $550 for your car and we take the car. Or we'll give you $500 and you can keep the car. I said, I'll take the money. I fixed the car. It was my fender with a hammer. I hammered it out. That's how I fixed the car. And that $500 was exactly how much I needed to survive those two weeks until I got my next paycheck. Now, how about that for a problem? Think of that the next time you have a fender bender. I'm saying that not everything is all that bad. If God brings us through problems, why is it that we wonder if he'll do it again? It's because the devil is right there tempting us to doubt and telling us that God doesn't care. Oh, it happened once to you. That was a coincidence. Don't expect this to happen again. Don't expect God to bail you out a second time. Folks, the truth is, God has the power. We have the problems. And God is more than willing to help us out. Especially if we cry out to him. The key to God's power is sitting in our hands today. It's called faith. Faith in his written promises. For example, God's promise in Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And in fact, Jesus himself told us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And we read that and we say, yes, I understand those words. And then we go into life and we doubt. Oh, am I going to get my job taken from me? Will I be fired? Will I get that raise or not? My health, what's going to happen? This, that, and the other thing. Why is it that we do that? It's because we've got a real enemy called Satan who is tempting us to doubt and trying to get us to forget the previous blessings. And if we would sit down with pen and paper and count our blessings and put an extra star beside the times when God really, you know, got our bacon out of the fire or something, I think that would do us a world of good. It would help increase our faith. But our faith is not in a piece of paper with our hand scratchings. Our faith is in God's promises. Our our, our own Bibles tell us this in Psalm 103. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Now don't you think God's going to help you out? Don't you think that he's there ready for you to help? But as long as we say, I can do this. I don't need God's help. I can, I can be the captain of my own destiny. God might say, okay, my child, do it yourself. Have it your way. But when we cry out to him, Lord, I need you. I am desperate. That's when God said, I'm more than happy to step in and help you out. You see, the key is in faith. Faith rests in the promises of a loving God and waits patiently for him to do the right thing. But the devil is still there to tempt us to doubt. Let me give for you a few reasons as to why God allows problems into our lives. Oh, why? Why me? Not just you, it's everyone. But here's a few reasons why God allows problems in our lives. Number one, to wake us up to his presence in our lives. 
Number two, to deepen our hearts toward God and toward others. Number three, to deepen our devotion to God. God allows power problems, number four, to teach us to trust in Him. He allows problems to provide, number five, to provide for our needs. Number six, to show us His mighty power. Number seven, to inspire us to action. Number eight, to keep us humble. Number nine, to keep us mature, to help us mature. God allows problems, number 10, to change our direction in life. God allows problems, number 11, to help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And so if you're experiencing a problem in life, I want to encourage you that God wants to do something special in your life if you will look to Him and if you will trust in His promises. Faith rests in the promises of a loving God and waits patiently for Him to do the right thing. And quickly, and I have to finish up quickly with point number three for you today, is God has the power to cleanse and forgive any sin. You needn't turn there, but in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, the very promise of God says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has the power to cleanse and forgive any sin. And God knows the future. Isn't that true? He knows the future. That means He knows everything that will happen to us. He knows everything that we will do, including any sin we might commit. And in spite of knowing the future, He loves us just the same. He, in fact, Chose us. That's what the Bible says. He chose us. Knowing what he was going to get himself into, he still chose to have us. Knowing that children can bring home trouble, they can sometimes break your heart, still parents choose to have children. Isn't that something? And our Heavenly Father loves us. Wow. You know, we shouldn't sin, but when we do, God is willing and wanting to forgive our sins. He doesn't forgive our sins grudgingly, like how we might forgive someone else's sins. Oh, all right, I'll forgive you this time. God's not like that. He really wants to get that sin away and cleanse that sin and forgive us. And here's where sometimes the devil knocks us down. Listen carefully. The devil, after you sin, the devil says to you, oh, you did it again, didn't you? Oh, you sinned again. And this is the same sin you promised God you'd never do again. Oh, don't think that God can forgive this one. Don't think that you can mend God's broken heart this time. And that's how the devil talks. And he comes to us, and you know the sin you hate the most is the sin you commit the most. That's the one you hate the most. But Jesus died the most for that sin. Maybe that's not a good way to put it, but you get the idea. There, there, there is no sin that he cannot lovingly cleanse and forgive if you will ask him. But God has the power to forgive your sins. And listen, he has the power to forget your sins. Boy, wouldn't that be a good thing to have? When someone sins against you and they broke your heart or something, okay, they apologize and you forgave them. Now, what do you do with those memories? Wouldn't you like to be able to push a button and get rid of those memories? God has the power to do that. When God forgives, I don't know how he does it. Pushes a button, he doesn't, I'm sure, but he wills it gone. It's gone. God doesn't hold on to those memories. There's a joke about these two guys who got together and one of them was real upset and really, you know, down in the dumps. He says, what's wrong with you? Oh, my wife and I, we had an argument, another argument. Oh, he said, the other guy said, I'm sorry to hear that. And he says, it's, it's, it gets even worse. Whenever we get into an argument, he said, my wife always gets so historical on me. And the guy says, oh, you mean hysterical. The guy says, no, I mean historical. She remembers every mistake and every bad thing I've ever done. Well, that's just a bad attempt at humor, but you get the idea. God doesn't want to keep that baggage around. So when God forgives, God forgets. Now, how does that play out in your life and mine? 
Listen carefully. You go to God today and you say, Oh, Heavenly Father, I'm so sorry. This is the second time I've committed this sin. And God might say back to you, Oh, my child, you're mistaken. This is only the first time you've committed this sin. And you might say, No, God, you're wrong. Don't you remember just a few hours ago I came, to, I got on my knees. Now I hear I'm on my face. This is the second time. And God says, No, my child, I've done a search of the records of heaven. This is the first instance of you coming to me today with that sin. Because when God forgives, He forgets. And that's the way it ought to be with you and I. When we forgive someone, we ought to forget it, right? That is not a license to sin. Don't ever make that mistake. Boy, I tell you, God will deal with you if you have that attitude. Well, I can just sin and confess and then sin again and confess because God will forget it all anyhow. What a wicked thought. The devil put that in our mind. God is a loving God. He has the power to forgive and the power to forget. And praise the Lord, he's got the power to forget. Hallelujah. Because God has the power to do this. In Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, God says, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. You see, it's in Scripture. Isaiah 43, 25. We see here the power, the genius of God, the Father, when He sent His only begotten Son on the cross to die for our sins. And before Jesus died, He said those words, It is finished. And it's like saying, paid in full. Every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit is covered by the blood. It's been paid for. Now you still will have to confess when you commit a sin. But you're not going to be cast into hell for it. You know, Micah chapter 7, 19. God says, he says, Thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And someone says, yeah. When God forgives our sins, he casts our sins into the deepest sea. And then God puts up a sign that says, no fishing. We ought to leave it there. Only the devil goes down to those depths. He's pulling up stuff that's been forgotten because it's been forgiven. God has the power to forgive sins. But we only get God's forgiveness if we have received His Son, Jesus Christ, into our hearts as Lord and Savior. We don't receive Jesus through taking communion or getting baptized or anything else except by prayer and faith. The Bible tells us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Faith is the key to salvation. Believe and be saved today. Now we need to bow our heads for prayer. Would you close your eyes and bow your head together with me? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.